Hi, everybody. It's good old JR Jim Ross, a member of multiple halls of fame and the voice of AEW Wrestling. And you're listening to Bad Medicine Podcast, and you're going to like it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are once again coming to you live, live from the 13th floor of Nakatoma Plaza. We are nestled in the heart of the Fox Valley, broadcasting to you from the Whalen Corporation studios, and we are overlooking the now boiling waters of Lake Winnebago. This is the Bad Medicine Podcast, and have we got a treat for you tonight? World famous... This guy does it all. I'm not even going to try to give him any titles because he just does everything. Ladies and gentlemen, our friend, and he should be yours, Dave Hero. Woo! Yeah. Wow. Now, that's impressive. I mean, I need to tell Damian Nelson that that's how he has to do an intro from now on. Is that Absolutely. Awesome? Yeah. Always got to put yeah. over the guest, for Always. sure. Beautiful. How you been, Mr. Hero? I'm great. I'm enjoying this uh, heat wave in the... In the low to mid upper 90s the past couple days, and so glad I have air conditioning. I can't imagine. <laughs> oh my what, god! What people are doing that don't have it. Oh, yeah, that's that's terrible. I was sweating watching my nephew's baseball game yesterday out in the heat. Ooh, that's, you that's... know, I I have an extra freezer in my garage, and I went grocery shopping, and I stocked up on a bunch of meats and stuff, whatever. And I had the freezer door open for like maybe maybe 10 minutes, just unloading and putting stuff in there. And it was starting to melt. The freezer it was like the water was, was dripping onto my hands as I'm putting the meat and stuff in the freezer. I thought yeah, you were going to say you were considering jumping inside the freezer. Yeah. That's where I thought the story. That's where I thought you were going too. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I was just I, I panicked. I'm like, wait, why, why, why is the freezer melting? Like, and this like, is broken. Ten minutes. You know, that was amazing. So yeah. So, Mister Hero, I thought we'd just dive right into the pro wrestling right away. Um, yeah, a couple of shows ago, kind of what you do. It was like last week or the week before. Uh, I brought up uh, the whole thing about Vince McMahon, maybe and probably pretty sure losing his ability to create new superstars in a time that's kind of no one's ever seen. So, what is your two cents on maybe Vince McMahon not having the ability anymore to create new stars? Well. It's, it's, it's more than just that. If you look at the talents they have today, the most, the most athletic talents they've had ever in the history of professional wrestling, because these guys can do everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem. I mean, George <laughs> the Animal Steel, you know, Captain Lou Albano, King Kong, Bundy, Big John Studd, Andre the Giant, they never did house show dives. And they yeah. were over. And people loved them and cheered for them. And... Today's wrestlers don't – they do too much, and it doesn't make any sense. And it's hard for fans to truly cheer and get behind somebody because nobody is ever in danger of losing. No one is ever in peril. No one is ever hurt. No one is ever injured. It's like you watch these guys kill each other you know, on a Sunday pay-per-view, and they come out walking just fine on Monday Night Raw. Mm. It's like you just were thrown off a cage or through a cage or through tables and chairs and – whatever else and it's like it's like it's video game pro wrestling now do you so think, I think that's the problem yeah it doesn't say with and you hit on something that i've been thinking about and noticing just because of of that generation of the video game pro wrestling it seems to be like if they're not wrestling they're playing video games and that's like the guys and girls number one thing they like to do so i think that's kind of seeping its way into uh, the matches when they're putting stuff together and they're like, Hey, what if we did like a seven kick combo or something? And you know, and you come out of it or whatever. So it's definitely 
being, can. you know, influenced by that. When you saw a lot of that in AEW, yeah. the guys were dressed up like them. You yeah, know, that is true. I don't know how I don't know how often you guys watch wrestling, but when was the last time you actually felt sympathy for somebody? Like they were legit. Like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. This is bad. Not that the show was bad or the match was bad. Yeah. But just like, oh my gosh, there. You know, there, there, there's peril here. Yeah, probably took Roman Reigns having leukemia in real life for (laughs) exactly. But I mean, long gone are the days of earthquake crushing Hulk Hogan's ribs. Long gone are the days of 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 Randy Savage taking the ring belt to to Ricky Steamboat's throat. I mean, that stuff it happens, but now there everyone is has like that Captain America super soldier serum, and they heal right away. Mm Yeah, so. There, there, there's no emotion in professional wrestling anymore, at least the way I watch it. Yeah. And the thing we were kind of talking about a little bit earlier too, was how much not having a crowd has been such a problem because we don't true, like um, Oak and I were talking, you don't truly know who's really over and who's not, you know, to use an insider term because there's no fans telling them who's good and who's yeah, not. Exactly. It's, it's the, the company saying, okay, this is the guy we will push him to the moon. And then this guy's the bad guy. And that's how it's going to play out. Whereas before, you know, if they tried that, maybe somebody they tried to make a bad guy, a la Steve Austin, People decided to but like him and it didn't work. Here's the problem with that. You would be cheering at home, right? So you should know at home who the good guy or bad guy is. But because these guys don't know how to be a legit good guy or a legit bad guy anymore, you don't know if you're cheering for him or not because there's yeah. no emotional investment. I mean, there isn't one person on the roster that I have an emotional investment in with right now. There's nobody I want to look like or I want to be like. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, back in the Attitude Era, you wanted to you wanted to be The Rock. You wanted to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Some of us wanted to be DX. Who do you want to be right now? Yeah. Yeah. Dave, I got an interesting question for you, and this is something that we've circled back to a handful of times here on the podcast. In social media and YouTube's effect on the characters for all the wrestlers mm-hmm. and perception of the fans, um, being able to see a little bit, well, I shouldn't say a little bit more, a lot more inside their personal life. And, and a, big, a, a good example for me is, so Braun Strowman is like this big, nasty, you know, like hardcore, rough around the edges wrestler. Um, yep. But he trains down at a gym in Florida pretty often with uh, a friend of mine through the bodybuilding industry, a guy named Flex Lewis. And he signed with a supplement company, Redcon One, you know, and I know the owner of the company, Aaron Singerman. And you see stuff on their social media pages, and he's just a you know, he's just a big, funny, cool dude. And so when you see him on TV, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that's all you got from him. But now he has to have this personality on TV. But if you follow him everywhere else, you see a completely different side of him that is pretty far removed from, you know, his character in WWE. And and we see that with a lot of guys. You know, these are supposed to be heels or these are supposed to be, you know, th- this character. And, and you see that on Monday nights and Friday nights and every six weeks on pay-per-views. But with the prevalence yeah. of social media, you're seeing a completely different person. Do you think that the, the aura around uh, the, the characters that these guys have in wrestling has kind of been ruined or at least watered down from social media? Without a doubt. It's the best thing and worst thing that could have happened to anybody that has a character in professional wrestling. Look at the girls. How often do you see the girls in wrestling all hanging out together, getting their hair, hair and nails done after they just beat each other up? Yeah, yeah. yeah they'll be on week. a boat. 
Yep. You know, um, I mean, EC3, I love the guy. I think he is super talented. And there was one time I even asked him, I'm like, you're out there on your Instagram saying you're a Carter in the top 1%, but your Instagram videos are you with your cats in your apartment. You're killing their gimmick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ted DiBiase, we never saw Ted DiBiase's house, the million dollar man. We saw him <laughs> in front of Vince McMahon. You know what I mean? Yeah. We yeah. always saw him in front of Vince McMahon's mansion or in Vince McMahon's limousine. We never once saw how he truly lived because we believed he was the million dollar man. That's not the case. Well, so, you know, I saw him putting $100 bills down people's throats. Come on. That has to count for <laughs> hey, something, right? Kicking exactly. basketballs out of kids' hands. Yep. But we never once saw his, his house in Mississippi. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's the big difference. Yeah, with we the never social... even saw Teddy Jr. <laughs> yeah. With the social media thing, Dave, do you think that they should be utilizing it more for their character standpoint or just using it less to, to help? Because I feel like if they use it for more for their character, it will help make them more money in the long run because sometimes, let's face it, they get handed, we'll say WWE, they get handed a really te- terrible character more like a cartoon almost. And then you go to their Instagram page and it's them for real. And you're more entertained by their Instagram than what WWE has put on for programming. I think the problem is, is if if everyone used their Instagram to further along their character, well, now they're being that character 24 seven and they want to break. They want to show the world all the cool stuff they're doing during the day. They just don't want to be Seth Rollins. They just don't want to be Becky Lynch. They just don't want to be, Nia Jax. They also want to be who they are in real life and show the world that you know how they're living. Do you, it's, do you think it's a double-edged sword? It's it's it's, it's yeah. really hard. Yeah. To, it's true to, to have them separate the two. Do you think though, with the you know with the type of dollars, and and we've had this discussion too with younger talent, whether they need to be getting paid more and you know not having to drive their cars from show to show and stuff like that. But, you know, I know in the, in the world of bodybuilding and fitness, anytime you sign a contract with supplement companies and yada, yada, um, the magazine deals are kind of gone these days. But there's always stipulations for social media. Um, you know, obviously how much you post, how you carry yourself. You know, we're talking a completely different animal with the fitness industry. But the companies that are paying them in, you know, in, in fitness, other than the top few guys, it's not WWE dollars. They're putting stipulations on these guys' social media posts. Of course, they can post pictures with their family and out on boats and stuff like that. Do you think that that's something that would benefit the WWE if Vince and, you know, and, and Hunter sat down with these guys and they're like, okay, this is part of your contract is to have your social media, your, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram extend this. And, you know, if we're paying you enough, then this is something you should follow. And, and furthermore, if, uh, you know, again, rolling back to the fitness industry, right in your contract, you have to have, you know, four posts a month, this many posts on your Instagram story. And I, I hate to think WWE is behind just because of the, the size of the industry, but sometimes with older owners, and we've seen this in other stuff, when you have people who are a little bit old school, like Vince is, you know, that might not be something that he even thinks about putting in there, but do you think, you know, they're going to get to the point or should be at the point where there's telling these guys like, look, we're paying you. This is your job. And part of your job and part of, you know, you know, carrying your character out there is going to be included in social media. So from today, moving forward, you're not, you know, you're not, you know, so-and-so, you're not, you're who your character yeah, you're is. But I mean, uh, like I said, if, if, I, if, if he's paying that kind of money, 
um, to these people, I think at some point they're paying a little extra and say your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook is now an extension of your character. These are your posting requirements. Do you think that would help the business? Well, to answer your question, WWE, I believe, has now instituted where the talents have to sign over access to their social media. Oh, wow. You yeah. To a social media director in WWE, where they will then send out tweets and uh, maybe even okay. Instagram posts on their behalf. So that's now not that's now going you know now being put in place. Okay. I don't know how legally they can do that. I'm not sure, but you know I mean right now with wrestling with with the ratings in the tank and 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 everything is just so upside down in wrestling. They got to mm-hmm. do something to try to you know to, to uh, create some more buzz. So. But now that's what I heard. I don't know if it's been implemented, but I know that was the memo that was sent out. It may be coming soon, but uh, from what I've been, from what I've heard and I've been told is that's definitely going to be happening shortly. Yeah, you know, we were talking about double-edged swords earlier, and I kind of think the the performance center is a bit of a double-edged sword because <clears throat> yes, it's excellent to have this facility, this multi-million-dollar facility where people can go train and hone their craft and and get better and and be TV ready, etc. But I think you end up with a lot of people wrestling exactly the same. And I think where you really see that is in the ladies division. I mean, I guarantee if you turn on TV tonight, you're going to see them lock up, do two little bounces, and then they're going to go into their move. Every single one of them seems to wrestle exactly the same where, you know, a lot of the guys who maybe have come up through the indies and had, you know, kind of developed their own style don't necessarily have that. Um, You know, kind of like what's your take on the performance center, you know, from that standpoint of, you know, you want guys to be different and to be their own, but yet you're kind of almost enforcing a very similar style. The Performance Center is not creating professional wrestlers. They create sports entertainers. Mm-hmm. They are creating television and future movie stars. And, you know, when guys that from the Attitude Era and before, they work the territories to learn how to do different things. Right now, they're in classrooms. They have mm-hmm. promo class. They have lockup class. They have bumping class. They have high spot class. Every class you can imagine they have. And it's just a way of controlling it because they're in the they're in the entertainment business, they're in the TV business, and they want their matches to look best on TV. So, yeah. as awesome as the facility is, they have everything imaginable there. I mean, at any given day, you know, I mean, when you have Shawn Michaels as one of your trainers, when you have <laughs> Road Dog, Scotty Juhati, I mean, Kevin Nash will show up, Scott Hall shows up, Big Show. I mean. You, the Rock has showed up at the PC. Yep. I mean, you are going to get the the best education you can. But you're right when they're all being taught the same way how to work, and then it's up to them to differentiate. It can be a challenge, and I think that could be a disconnect because if you really, if you truly think about it, who from NXT that's been called up, that is an NXT brand besides besides um, Baron Corbin. Yeah. Who from NXT that's been called up to the main roster? has truly succeeded. Take the girls out of the equation. Yeah. But as yeah. far as the guys. Yeah, and it's tough because you know the bar is I don't want to say the bar is low right now, but there there is nobody who has that, you know, like rock star type uh persona like you said mm-hmm. that people want to be. So yeah, I mean that's a great question. I'd challenge anybody uh, to answer. Well, it. I, I kinda had one maybe big E a little bit. Cause he, cause he wasn't yeah. on the Indies before. I mean, he hasn't been a world champion or something like a Seth Rollins and stuff. But, but how long has Biggie been, been in the company now? He's been in what like, seven years, eight at years least, now. At oh, least, at least. Oh gosh, at least. But yeah. he's been like you know, a tag champ. How many times he's been Intercontinental champ? 
a U.S. champ, right. I believe, once. And, 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 and absolutely, but but, but, but he's I'm not like is, yes, your big rock star, top and, main event the, guy. And in the last three or four years that NXT has really been big, who Samoa Joe doesn't count because he was yeah. everywhere before he got there. Yeah. Yep. Finn Balor doesn't count. Nakamura doesn't count. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like who from there? I mean, even Bobby Roode, he was he was the Impact World Champion before he went to NXT. Mm-hmm. But yep. like they haven't found. Braun Strowman may be the only guy besides Baron Corbin. There we go. Yeah, you know what I mean. One. But hey, but 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 to be fair, when you're as big as Braun Strowman, yeah, you have instant, You usually have that instant star stamped on you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I'm gonna so. speaking of big, and this is I joke here with these guys uh, uh, that I'm a casual wrestling fan, and by <laughs> casual I mean that he I I watch casual. I watch almost every pay per view throughout the course of the year. Yeah. Um, but I don't get into the weekly story by story. Um, I watched with my buddy Dobber, um, who, by the way, Nick Dobson says hi. He wanted to make sure I uh, sent that out. <laughs> hey, Nick. So, um, but uh, I'm the casual wrestling fan, and and I grew up like a lot of people watching these guys who looked like bodybuilders. They looked like these larger than life action stars. Yep. And when I started watching wrestling again consistently with Dobber and his friends, I had to kind of relearn what new wrestling was. That. But on the flip side of that, like you had said before, the the level of athleticism is just is just mm-hmm. above and beyond what it was. And in fact, during the quarantine, I went back and watched every WrestleMania. <laughs> I started with three because I knew one and two were kind of whatever. <laughs> but then I went back and watched one and two, and there were just some massive, massive guys. But like we all know, the bigger you look, if you're six three, two ninety, you're your level of athleticism and the stuff that you're going to be able to do from a showmanship standpoint is, are generally going to be limited, you know? But at the same time, I think a lot of people grew up on these larger-than-life figures, and it seems like we have a handful of them now, guys like Roman Reigns, who we saw an update mm-hmm. picture of him. He's as jacked as he's ever been. Yeah. Um, and there's a handful of guys. Randy Orton is ish. You know, John Cena's kind of on his way out. But um, from a from a casual wrestler fan, wrestling fan standpoint, I still look at WWE and think, you know, where are these these action figures? And do you think that the WWE would benefit if they did, you know, plug in a few more of these guys? Or do you think those days are just totally gone? I think NXT has the best collection of big men they've had in a long time. When you have big Keith Lee, Donovic. Or, uh, Donovan, yeah, yeah Dijakovic. Yeah. Um, now you got Karrion Cross, Killer Cross, who has star potential written all over him. He's got the size, he's got the look, he looks like a badass, and he's got the girl. That's a rock star right there. Um, but you know they have those, and then um, Bronson Reed. He, he's another big dude yeah. that, that they got NXT. I think those guys there have potential. But I think a lot of the big guys went into MMA. The guys yeah. that were over six feet tall and whatnot, yeah. they went a different route. Because if you're watching pro wrestling, like we can talk about the young bucks, okay? Smaller, I don't want to say undersized, but they are as what we're used to watching. <laughs> right. Okay? Yeah. But it's like, do you honestly believe they could kick out of all the stuff that, that, that they go through? So that's the disconnect, I think, now with today's fans. Because, I mean, Hulk Hogan defeated the biggest star in the history of the business with a body slam and a leg drop on Andre the Giant. (laughs) Okay, With one body slam and one (laughs) leg drop, he beat Andre the Giant. We see guys go through tables and chairs and like 
multiple. And I'm saying when I say multiple, it's more than three finishers now, and they still can't beat them. Super kick party. Yeah. Well, Dave, I wanted to kind yeah. of – it's funny you bring that up because I wanted to bring that up as well. Uh, I feel like today now moves mean jack shit, unfortunately. Yep. And I'll use the one move I complain about every single time I talk about wrestling is the goddamn super kick. It does nothing for anyone anymore. It meant something when Sean had it, right? Yep. The big leg drop, mm-hmm. as you just mentioned, everyone knew as soon as that hit, boom. The Stone Cold Stunner, boom. It's done. Now, I don't see why anyone has a finisher because the last 15 minutes of a match is nothing but fast cars and nonstop finishers yeah. with everyone kicking out. Every match is almost the same. So how can anyone, as you were saying, get emotionally involved when the moves mean zero now? When when Brock Lesnar hits five or six F5s on Seth Rollins, come on. I mean, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels and Jake the Snake Roberts with the super kick in DDT wouldn't have a career today mm-hmm. because they couldn't beat anybody with those now. Yeah. You know what I mean? The DDT is now a transition move, and the next one that's going to be bastardized is the Canadian Destroyer. Oh, dude. Mm. <laughs> it's all, yeah, it's, it's well on its way. You know, and you mentioned a lot of the big guys they have down in NXT, and and I like all those guys. I like their talent. Um, I haven't seen a ton of cross, but with the other guys, the problem I have is they're still wrestling like little guys. You know, Keith yeah. Lee's out there doing dives every time, and they're, you know, they're doing all this stuff off the top rope. I watched a match uh, the other night. It was Austin versus Vader from, like, 96, all Vader did was hit Austin with that big chest uh, bump he would do, and then the big mm-hmm. clubs across the head that looked, I mean, brutal as hell and as they were. But, you know, that was a big guy that didn't have to do a lot. You know, you never, you wouldn't see him doing all the crazy stuff. He'd do the big Vader bomb, and that was it. And it was such a refreshing look at it. And by the way, Steve Austin was fantastic in that match. That guy was flying all over. I think we forget just how good he was before the neck injury. Yeah. But, yeah, to see a big guy just come out and do big guy stuff. Um, I was talking with a friend of the podcast, uh, Rowan, about this, about how you know, he would come out and do his stuff. And he's like, well, what am I supposed to do when these guys are doing topes and dives and stuff over the top? And I come out and just give a guy, a, you know, a slam of sorts, you know? So I, Yeah, I, I you know, like there's a guy, he looks the part, he is the part. Like, he passes for me the airport test, okay? Like, <laughs> yep. I pass him in the airport, I'm like, oh, he's somebody. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. and if I see him in a crowded bar, I'm 6'5". I see him in the bar, I'm still going to shift over <laughs> to the side and let him pass. Yeah. He just looks the part, you yeah. know? And, and nowadays, no disrespect to the guys on the roster, but how many of those talents today, you know, would you like, oh, I'll just slide over and let them pass? Not many. Yeah. Not many at all. It, so, it like, took me a little while. When, when Finn Balor... Uh, and, and again, I didn't follow him before he came to the WWE. I was, you know, I was impressed with his physique being as lean and, mm. and as ripped as he was. But uh, his level of athleticism is incredible. But he's still he's still a, like a, a little guy. Yeah. Um, I had a very difficult time, and Dabra has gotten on me about this one nonstop. I had a really hard time with Kevin Owen. You know, having a cut off, you know, he had to wear a cut off shirt into the ring and had a beer gut. And, you know, and he's, uh, you know, most of the guys that Dobber likes grow on me, you know, and so uh, he's grown on me a little bit. But I, that's, it's funny you say the airport test because, you know, you walk through and yeah, you're like, oh, holy shit, who's that guy, you know? And I just feel like a lot of the guys today, for as skilled as they are, and, you know, like you said, the athleticism is up, they just, 
there's, I don't know. I just feel like having gone through and watched the old wrestling matches and stuff like that, just the wow factor with the guys themselves just, just doesn't seem to be there as much as, as it used to be. And, you know, I think when I used to watch wrestling and I get it's a, it's a, it's a skill, like you said, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sports entertainment, there's skill, but there's still something to be said as far as I'm concerned about there being a difference physically and just whatever between the people who are sitting there watching it and the people who are in the ring. And Kevin Owen doesn't look any different than, you know, the guys sitting in the stands watching it who have probably had a few too many beers, you know. And, and that's why Kevin Owens is so over, because he looks like the guys in the first six rows of the show. <laughs> Very relatable. He does. But, he does. But, yeah. but that's my question is, should these guys, should they be relatable or should they be larger than life? life like yeah. you said, the step out of the way, these guys are. I mean, you see somebody like The Undertaker or, or Braun Strowman or Brock Lesnar or even Randy Orton, I, I, I guess, is a good 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. I mean, these are guys where it's like, holy shit, but I, I feel like, you know, a handful of the guys today, a, a good handful, are people that if you saw, you know, wearing a sweatshirt or just walking around, you'd be pretty underwhelmed by. So I went to the AEW pay-per-view in Chicago a year ago. And I don't know a lot of those guys, you know, when, 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 they, when they first started, because they signed a lot of indie guys. And we, we, went, we went to the TV bar because I have some friends that, that work there. I didn't know if some of the guys were talents or the fans. Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah, that's an honest and, mistake. And that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, talking about Finn Balor, when Finn Balor was getting that huge push, when he beat Roman Reigns and went on to beat Seth Rollins, and they intro- you know, when they would introduce him at like 183 pounds, I sent a text to a buddy of mine that works down there. I said, you just announced your – Top star as 183. I go, he's more than 20 pounds less than the 205 live crew. Stop announcing his weight. Yep. <laughs> because it's like, why wouldn't he now be in 205 live? Yeah, yeah he should be a cruiser. Because he's under that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. So it's, it's little things like that. But you know what? The people that are wrestling, they're just, you know, the ones that are wrestling today, there's not many guys over six feet tall. Yeah, that's, And if they are, they're not very good. Yeah, that's they got who they got and and who's left. And I will say the thing with Finn Balor that I like about him is that he does carry himself like a star and he limits what he does in the ring to a certain extent. Like if you watch one of his matches, you'll see his DDT, a sling blade, uh, and, and like a coup de gras, and then it's all punches and kicks but and, and drop kicks, but it's all how he does it and how he works it in. It's not an AEW match where it's like put the blender on high and let's see what happens. So I, I, I will give him off. some credit as a guy who's at least on TV, not in person if you saw him in the airport, certainly, because he'd have you know clothing on, but yeah. who finds a way to carry himself as a larger-than-life star. Right. Uh, but, but like I said, where he, Finn he, Balor learned yeah. his craft. He yeah. was in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, he learned mm-hmm. over there. Yep. It's a different breed. Completely. Yeah. yeah. Steve, you mentioned ratings. Um, I want to ask you a question. Because the fans in today's world of 10,000 different streams, right, mm-hmm. still yes. try to hang on to ratings. Now, they do matter to a certain extent somewhat. And it's, Jericho's out, you know, doing the shoots on, hey, we're in He's the He's the demo lead. god. He's the demo yeah. god from yeah. 18 to 49 demographic. Um, for you... 
is, do the mating you know, do the ratings really matter that much considering with the the use of social media now with all those views and everything well the ratings do matter to the companies because that's how they get paid right. because if their ratings are good well then they're gonna get more for their advertising money what people are forgetting like with, with um chris jericho calling himself the demo god which i thought was brilliant i knew it was a matter of time yeah. before you'd have merch with it it's 1849 or 18 to 54. It's one of the two. I forget to what it is. 49. Yeah, 49. Yeah. It used to be 18 to 34. Yeah. Okay. So now, because less people are watching, they tacked on 15 more years. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's just like the ratings are different today than they were during the Attitude Era. Of course, there's way more channels now. There's way more. There, there's a lot more ways to watch it. I mean, there's sometimes. I'm so busy. I get. I watch wrestling through Twitter. I just see what the highlights are that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? that's some, I, sometimes I don't watch it live. Yeah, Facebook usually has all the all the big all the happenings highlights. in the night, or you can go on YouTube mm-hmm. where they have like the top ten. So I mean, you can look at those, and they'll, they'll have like millions of hits. So I think that's a good way to judge it as well too. That like, hey, I'll just watch the recap of the week. That's way it's only ten minutes out of my day instead of. If you're yeah. watching it through a stream and you can't record it, say, then you have to yeah. Yeah, sit there and yeah. watch the whole three hours. But uh, the, the ratings are down because the product is not good. Like I was yeah. talking to a buddy of mine. I, I won't say who it is, but he's a producer <laughs> on Raw. <laughs> and he asked me what I thought about one of the shows. And I said, man, I go, and I like the Street Profits. I think Montez Ford is going to be a star. That dude well, gets some height. He has charisma and all you know, that. He got the smoke. I, <laughs> I, I said, I go, I'm watching the Street Profits against the Viking Raiders, Ugh. and then you throw these ninjas in. I go, if I met a girl and I brought her home to watch wrestling with me, oh, how can I defend yeah. that? You I can't. go, it was so fake and phony. I was embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Yep. You know, and he's like, oh, but bro, I'm like, no, don't, don't throw me on this. What I was, go, what this was there? Bad. What? What was their answer to that? Because we, I was watching that, and I was, I was just like, "What? What am I?" He even, just said, what? "Well, like right now, with with that and the cinematic matches, they're trying to keep more of the product outside of just the sterile uh, performance the, center." Yeah, but okay. the, the ninjas they you threw know? in, and the the monster or whatever that was there. Yeah, I mean, it was and just you like, know, the thing is, like, I, I says I can handle you throwing ninjas in, but don't do a stupid dream sequence. And all that other nonsense. Yeah, because yeah. now it's not, I go, for 23 years, I have defended pro wrestling. <laughs> okay? I said, and then um, I go, some guys have defended the, 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 the steel chairs, the garbage cans, the thumbtacks, the kendo sticks. Oh, it's all fake. No, it, it's real. I go, yeah. but I can't defend that. Yeah. You know, so when they tell me it's fake with that, I have to agree. Yeah, that was yeah, that was bad. That was fake. Spe- you know? Speaking of the cinematic stuff, we talked pretty extensively after WrestleMania, and I think we all agreed that we felt the Boneyard match, given yeah. the circumstances, was a highlight and it was something new, mm-hmm. and they did a great job with it. And on the last pay per view, the Swamp Fight with Braun Strowman and, and Bray Wyatt, I felt <laughs> like I, f- I was watching it. And you know, and I really, I really did like the Boneyard match, and I'm a huge Undertaker fan. Um, and more than casual. Uh, more than casual, and I thought they did such a good job with that. And I, I went in with very low expectations, mind you. And then this Swamp match, I was just like, okay, they're going to try to r- just redo yeah. what they did in a Swamp and whatever. 
And for me, that swamp match went so sideways. And, I, you know, Dauber and some of the guys like, no, no, they're setting this up and this up. And I'm like, I'm not, you know, I just watched a pay-per-view, so I don't know what they're setting up as far as the storyline. Right. But you hit the nail on the head. If I was trying to watch this with somebody who didn't know what was going on, like that Boneyard match, you could bring somebody who's never watched wrestling in before. And you could be like, yeah, this is kind of the biker guy. And this is the young guy who's being cocky and talking shit about his family. And be like, OK, that's all the backstory you need. And you could watch it and mm-hmm. enjoy it. And I just I, I felt like they just shit the bed i mean beyond belief with that swamp match and wanted to get your take on that that whole pay-per-view was the drizzlings i mean <laughs> when you, when you got to pull out somebody's eye in one match and then drown somebody in the main event <laughs> what are we doing you know here? what i mean it's like you legit drowned somebody and that and that's okay you ripped out somebody it's so bad the, well, the, just the, like, the eye for an eye thing for me was was really bad because look we all Look, it's 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 sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's sports entertainment, and we know these guys are incredibly athletic, and they're taking their shots and stuff like that. But it's still sports entertainment. But it was such a stretch to to you know, nobody's gonna lose an eye. No, you know. No, and then of course not. afterwards they're like, oh well, he's in the hospital, and they, they they might be able to save it. You know. And I'm like, yeah, but the fact that they were they would even set up a match on those premises yeah. and you know when we were joking you know i work out with dabber every night and i'm i did my vince voice that andrew's the best at and, <laughs> and I, i'm imagining like a group of these you know a room full of these guys trying to put together and just vince you know out of the out of nowhere what if what if somebody had to lose an eye <laughs> and everybody else was just like yeah oh, it's uh yeah we'll do an eye for an eye match and somebody's gotta lose an eye and everybody's there just wanting to be like yeah, that's a shit idea. <laughs> and then uh, that's what we're going with. I mean, it, it, to me, it was just even before I, I had such low expectations for the pay-per-view and everything else that was taking place just because of the fact I was like, uh, look, suspending belief that far, an eye for an eye. It was just and I just feel like, I don't know, are they getting that desperate or what's going on? Yeah. And they're desperate. <laughs> things don't make sense. And they need to stop these cinematic matches. Like a yeah. lot of people like them. Like, oh my god, I want to see Undertaker versus Thing. I don't. No, you I don't. don't want to see any of that. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to see any more cinematic matches because no. if that's the route wrestling is now going to be going, is cinematic matches, then the magic is going to be gone. Yeah. Because remember when it was Hogan versus Rock at WrestleMania? How amazing was the crowd for that? Oh, incredible! It was off the charts. Yep. We'll never have that again. When Undertaker lost to Brock Lesnar and everyone sat there with their jaws on the, on the floor, mm-hmm. <laughs> we won't have that anymore either. No. So that's the magic of pro wrestling. I don't want to sit. If I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going to watch the Marvel movies or I'm going to watch Doom Patrol. I'm going to watch something like that. Fast I'm, and Furious. I'm not, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah I, I'm not going to sit and watch Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt fight in the swamp. Yeah. It just no, no, and and I don't like all the magic and nonsense because that wouldn't happen in a regular match. Yeah. No one disappears and reappears. Yeah, <laughs> what? Come on! Well, the Undertaker always did. The lights will go out, and then there he would be in the ring. He's the only guy, but yeah. now everybody's doing it. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like I thought the Money in the Bank match for me was entertaining because I it was agreed. different. Yeah, you know, mean, but but well, you know there were. Yeah, you knew they were going to overdo it once they hit a home run 
with the uh, Boneyard match. You know it was going to mm-hmm. show up again. It was going to be redone. And and to get back to uh, to Ray and, and Seth Rollins, so here you have <laughs> arguably the greatest luchador in the history of wrestling against one of the best talents of the modern era, and mm-hmm. that's the match you came up with. That's what you were going to have them do is an eye for yeah. an eye, you know? Yeah. Oh, cause, cause just imagine that eye coming out. It would be amazing. And, and the amazing thing is Seth Rollins has a pliers. Is he going like, to just stab the eye out? <laughs> yeah. How he's going to get it? Everybody knows he's got to use you know? a spoon. Yeah, you got to use a spoon, yeah, a spoon like spoon Mason or an ice cream scooper. Yeah. And then when, when the eye pops out as he's pushing his eyeball into in. the stair, wouldn't mm-hmm. that push it further back into his head? Well, he was going in the side, wasn't it? So it was like no. popping. No, oh, he wasn't. That's right. That's right. No, with being on, huh. being on the topic of this, uh, Dave, do you think, because I kind of feel like with the current times that we're in, do you feel like the talent has, is kind of holding the power and they're just not doing anything with it? And I mean but this by like, why don't they just start saying no? And if all of them are starting to say no... What is Vince going to do? And then if Vince threatens them, why don't they just all walk out? What what will happen then, you know? Well, here's, here's the thing. They can all walk out if they want to, but where are they going to go? AEW? Impact? No. Well, no, because here's the thing. They don't if out. they walk out, they haven't been released from their contract. Yep. Mm. So they can't go anywhere. Yeah, they can't make and any money. Let's be honest. And let's be honest. Everyone's in the same boat financially. If you can't run live events, you're not making any money. AEW can't sign anybody right now of, no. of, of, of any significance, mm-hmm. and neither can Impact because they don't have the money either. So, yeah, they can all sit there and take their ball and go home, but, okay, then they're just going to sit at home and not get paid. It's true. So. People got families to yeah, think true. about, mortgages, yeah, you know, rent got to kids. pay. Well, yeah, I that's kids. And I think there's a perception that – uh, WWE superstar superstars all make millions upon millions of dollars, and outside of a few guys, I think the general public would be rather surprised with how much a lot of those guys actually make. And it isn't like they're not all sitting on a multi million dollar nest egg at home where they can afford to, you know, to not work. <clears throat> so right. you know, the guys again, that have money are the guys that have had more than ten or twelve years in yeah. in WWE. Yeah. Because again, j- just look on some people's social medias. You'll see the kind of houses they live in. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. So. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Yeah, and, a- and that's the thing. You know, if, if if like I love I love Heath Slater. I love EC3. I love those kind of guys. But they're not going to get the same money they were getting from WWE. No. You know no. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to have the merchandising. They're not going to have the pay per views. They're not going to have the appearances and everything else that comes along with it. You know, so they, you know, so, and look at how many guys were released during that one yep. when, when, when they cut like well, 10, 15, 20 guys, yep. how many of them, how many of them have been signed by other companies? Yeah. And Not how many, many, and how many fans even notice they're gone? So that shows exactly. you, that shows you what they're worth and how the WWE machine is able to avoid I guess to its benefit and to its detriment, making true stars that can leave. And then those eyeballs follow those stars to wherever mm-hmm. they go. I mean, nobody's going to care where Heath Slater goes, although he was very good uh, in when they brought him back. It's like we saw a glimpse mm-hmm. of what the guy's capable of. But right. because he's been a job guy for you know, 10, 12 years, you're not going to get any more eyeballs on impact if you sign them, you know? So it's, right. well, it, it is, is everyone. Yeah. 
everyone goes to me, oh my gosh, Zack Ryder has to, he has to fight Cody for the open challenge on, on Dynamite. Yep. If I'm Cody, I don't do that. Not at all. And here's why. Zack Ryder hasn't won a meaningful match since he won the tag titles at WrestleMania yep. in New York two years ago. Okay? <clears throat> So if Zack Ryder now comes into AEW and has a competitive match with the number two guy in the company, what does that now say about Cody Rhodes? Yeah, and that's my biggest complaint with AEW is that they all have competitive matches. Nobody's head and shoulders above anybody else. Yeah, especially that yeah. Uh, that big dude that's with uh, Taz now. Can't... Brian Cage. Brian Cage. Yeah. Well, he's he's big this way, not not this way. <laughs> yeah, but he's yeah. this huge monster. And, yeah. like, yeah, his second match, he's like his arm was hurting. And hey, I hate, to be, from the I, I hate to be this guy, but watch him versus Tessa Blanchard. You won't think he's a monster. It took him 25 <laughs> minutes. To pin a woman. Yep. So Hit how am I supposed to believe yeah. he's a monster yeah. now? Hit her. Well, uh, exactly. I don't want to go on that yeah. tangent. Sorry, Dave. I don't want to go on that tangent. No, but no, no, no. But it makes perfect sense. But yeah. that's why they will never acknowledge that in AEW. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody wants to acknowledge um, Tessa Blanchard right now. She has so much cheat with so many people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, let's dive into that a little bit, shall we? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we can pass on that. Pass. <laughs> well, just real quick, though, Dave, what was your thoughts with, with Impact putting up uh, putting Tessa over for the their world championship. Do you think it was just something to do something completely different to try to get some eyeballs and some attention? Yeah, I you mean, know? at the time when you have the women's matches, main eventing Raw, main eventing WrestleMania, and, mm. you know, arguably at, at that point, Tessa was the best female wrestler in the world. Mm. And wh why wouldn't you? And it got a lot of buzz. It just, it just extremely back backfired on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now there's rumor innuendo that she told Impact she wants 150 grand for her to give the her title back, you know, <laughs> and it's just like, well, good luck, sure, you know, we'll getting signed by check. somebody else. Yeah, you yeah. know, we can make those in at toy stores. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and and right now I watch Impact again because I think they they've done a great job of rebranding and rebuilding, but <sighs> Tessa Bland <laughs> Tessa Blanchard could not beat. A man in a wrestling match, right? You know what I mean. Yeah, and, and and not saying that women can't beat men because Ronda Rousey would, I'm sure, kill more than <laughs> half the roster. But mm -hmm. that's Ronda Rousey. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's completely different. But yeah, it, it, it's a very slippery slope going down that road. Yeah, that's the classic argument of athlete versus athlete or athlete versus oh, Joe like, Blow. And when China did it, China was physically as big as the guys that she beat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know what I mean? So I couldn't believe China would whoop somebody's ass. Yeah. Yep. I have a hard time believing Tessa Blanchard could or would have a competitive 25-minute match with a Brian Cage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. And that's what hurts the business. Yep. yep. Uh, to kind of wrap up the wrestling here, I wanted yep. to – since we got you, Dave – I was texting these guys saying, what is, in everyone's ah. opinions here, the best wrestling rivalry in any promotion at any time? Um, so, Dave, why don't we start with you? What do you? What would you think your best wrestling rivalry <laughs> Not to put you was? on the spot, but... <laughs> I should have given you a heads uh, up, I mean, but... You know what? I mean, I'm, I'm going to go... I'm going to go way back because I'm going to pick a rivalry that had a ton of heat. Jimmy Snook and Roddy Piper. Oh, I mean, yeah. you, you honestly believed that mm -hmm. they hated each other and that it was, you were afraid to get stuck in the middle of that. You know what I mean? Um, because it was so violent and it was just in a different time of, just in a different time of life where like, oh my God, he legitimately 
busting a coconut over his head. <laughs> yeah. And then the matches they had were so brutal, vicious, and bloody. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, that one definitely sticks out. I mean, you know, the easy one is Austin and McMahon, yeah, you know, of course, mine, because yeah. that's when it was most watched. Yep. But it's like if you, if you want to go back and watch legitimate, like, violence it's it's definitely piper and snooker for me for me i'll go i'll go next for me it was uh stone cold versus bret hart because after obviously the king of the ring he cut that infamous promo that we all know Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. i do feel like the second that uh he cut a couple more promos after that that were entertaining but when they started getting in with bret and austin to me, that was the most entertaining thing from Stone Cold we've ever seen from all the backstage promos, which are super unforgettable uh, or not forgettable. Uh, it was just super entertaining. And that was one of those feuds that I would, wouldn't have mind if they would have kept going for like five years on. Yeah. <laughs> if you put the letter S in front of Hitman, you have my exact opinion of the guy. Well, it was just yeah, good it, stuff. It, all right, and uh, that was the start of the Attitude Era. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oak? Oh, man, you're asking the casual <laughs> wrestling <laughs> fan. Yeah, we caught up on 36 wrestling. Uh, yeah. I did. Okay. Uh, man, I tell you what, the, uh, the the promo where Andre decided to go off on, on Hulk, <laughs> and, and Hulk just, no, brother, what, what do we do? You can't do this. And he, like, half-assed, tried tearing his shirt off. Like, <laughs> that, the worst, that was like, Andre. Yeah, I know, but he was like, ah, like, trying to tear his shirt off. Well, and then Hogan was trying to put Vaseline in his eyes so he could cry. Oh, yeah. my God. That was... Uh, yeah. That was an interesting, an interesting, uh, an interesting <laughs> rivalry between those two. I, like I said, I, I can't give any, you know, in-depth analysis. Uh, I do remember some of the Rock first, uh, you know, with John Cena, some of the promos where he called him out on his, you know, Fruit Loops outfits yeah. and and stuff like that, which uh, which I thought was was highly entertaining. But uh, the old school. Hulk versus Andre still gets me. So. Every time. Uh, when? Yeah, for me, I'm going to have to go with uh, a guy who I think is sometimes oddly unappreciated because he could do anything, much like our guest here, Dave Hero. And I'm going to go with uh, Kurt Angle versus anybody because I swear every feud that guy was in, I loved it. And I loved that Kurt could one second be a bumbling, stumbling comedy buffoon, and the next second he'd come out to the ring – uh, kind of like he rebranded himself in Impact, oddly enough, a little bit. He would come down to the ring with the mouth guard in, and you were like, this guy's going to rip my goddamn head off, and there's nothing I can do about it. And it just, how yeah. can a guy have those two sides at almost the same time is just amazing to me. So him versus anybody for me. Oh, mine is, yeah, you know, you said it is Austin McMahon because obviously, you know, it got the most eyeballs on and it, it, it gave everybody in America what they've always wanted to do, which was kick the shit out of their boss. You know, it's like, oh, you was the best TV. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, and then after my match, I get to slam beers in the ring and offer it to someone. They begrudgingly take a drink. Oh, stunner. And then you get to go drink some more beer. It's like, that would just, that's, you know, that's just what everybody in America wanted to do. And so everybody just loved, you know, Austin. Even some bosses probably actually liked Austin doing that. Oh, sure. They're like, God, I hope none of my employees get any ideas. Yeah, but, yeah that, that's that's my favorite. I mean, just the entertainment alone and, you know, especially when Austin dressed up as the doctor or oh, yeah. when he – Smashed his car, filled oh, with concrete. Yeah, everything. You know, <laughs> where would you guys? And since I'm kind of thinking about feuds here, and and Dave, I just want to get your input on this real quick too. Where would you guys put what's probably been the biggest feud? 
I guess for true wrestling fans to, to see in the last couple of years with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, where would you put that feud in terms of the other ones that we all talked about? Did it have the same magic? Did they have the same feel? Did they have something there? What's kind of your thoughts on that one? Not in my top 10. No. You know? well, I mean, yeah, and it's maybe interesting. Maybe top 25. Yeah. Maybe top, maybe top <laughs> 25. Yeah. Because just think about it. We didn't talk about Ric Flair and Sting. We didn't talk about no. Dusty Rhodes yeah. and Ric Flair. Yeah, and the horsemen. We didn't talk about Savage and Steamboat. We didn't talk about the NWO or the Four Horsemen. Yep. You know Hogan what I mean? Sting. There's just DX yeah. Nation of Domination. Yeah. Triple H. Hogan the Rock. Piper. You know? Yep. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of them. And here's the thing. As entertaining and as athletic as that feud was with those two guys, did they really draw money with it? You know? Yeah, they So for me, it's like I, they did. Physically <laughs> they killed each other. Yeah. But did they but they didn't sell out arenas for it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Not you know. So for me, when you talk about feuds, I also the the promoter in me says, Well, how much money did it make also? <laughs> yep. you know I mean? yeah. And, yeah. and 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 in a time when Hulk Hogan was the world champion. Piper and Snuka were selling out all the B towns when okay. Hogan was selling out all the A towns. Yep. Yeah, and I and I bring that one up just because I think that's probably the most memorable feud that's been around, you know, recently in terms of the the NXT trying to create a real true like these guys genuinely hate each other kind what of thing. Yeah. And yeah, and it's just like, well, did it, you know, how did it play out? And yeah, to your point, none of us brought up anything that happened in the last, you know, whatever, 10, 15 years. Well, so one of the bigger rivalries of the last like how many years was always Cena and Orton because it, it seemed like their rivalry was yeah. started in like 07 and just kept going and going. going. Well, it's like, well yeah. that or any time the Undertaker streak was alive, I think that's probably the only emotional attachment in the last, what, five years, we'll just say, for argument's sake, that... Yeah, yeah. The Undertaker match meant more at WrestleMania than the main event at most WrestleManias. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. All right, well... So, enough wrestling talk, huh? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pass speak. on some, uh, some wrestling for now. All right. But, uh, so, yeah. Quinn, you were brought up uh, this earlier on in the day about the, the hot mic. Yeah, <laughs> so this was something that made a little bit of news. Uh, our very own Milwaukee Brewers are going against the hated Chicago Cubs. Hate. With uh, no audience and uh, hot mics everywhere. And <laughs> yeah. so people got to hear exactly what these teams thought about one another. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. I think sports needs more of it. I'm tired of the um, the post-game interviews that, Diamond, I know you hate when the guy's like, well, I went out there and got sacked 14 times and threw four interceptions, and I just hope I can do All better next week. All the cliches. Well, yeah, yeah cliches. exactly. So for, the, for those of us who hadn't, I didn't I didn't see it. What, what are we talking? Swearing, so, F-bombs, yeah, just trash like, uh, talking. Well, yeah. there was an inside pitch by uh, Burns that hit a Cubs player and he just like stared him down and like walked to it and then like uh, between <laughs> innings there was a little jibber jabber and go, a little like words being exchanged and both benches actually cleared or dugouts I should say cleared and like like even Yelich hopped over the hopped over <laughs> the dugout <laughs> to get out there and they didn't they, I mean it's nothing like, happened but like stand back MVP we'll handle yeah, this <laughs> it's just funny because yeah. the night before the first baseman for the Cubs was like giving hand sanitizer to, to to Arcia and then the next day they're like ready to kill each other with their bats 
<laughs> so, so what, I mean, but what were they saying? You know, like give us an example. Look, we can. Where this is? Uh, yeah, that's were, true. I mean, yeah, there was. What, definitely were, they, some, what were they saying? Yeah, you there know, was definitely like, some swearing going on. You know? I don't answer. Did you have uh, anything more? Well, well, answer looks that up. I, yeah. And hero, I think I'm going to pitch this question to you. Should sports now take advantage of of the hot mics uh, since there's not Absolutely. really big crowds? Well, I mean, for me, one of the things I used to love was, I think it was the NFL when they would mic the quarterback and oh. you would see those highlights. Love it. That was great TV. So yep. why not? I mean, and here's the other thing. People are now going to want to tune in to hear those expletives. Yep. You know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. they want to hear the trash talking because, you know, I don't want to hear uh, piped in, you know, cheers and booze. Yeah. I mean, that's just uneventful. It's, a, it's like watching a movie again, yep. you know, but – I mean, the the hot mic I think is great. They should, you know, do they do they have the managers mic'd also? Uh, that yeah. I don't know for sure. I just caught some of the news highlights about it. You know, typically when you see these baseball highlights, it looks like they got some mics in the dugout. Yeah, because you can hear them usually. Yeah. And I, I I agree with you, Dave. I I actually do look forward to that because and you know inside the NFL they do all that stuff with the players are mic'd up. Monday Night Football mics up guys. Mm-hmm. I the one thing I'll go back to, of course, Bears fan, right? So Jay Cutler was coming out of a huddle and Mike Martz was calling a run play, and Jay was getting the the call into his ear, and the the uh, the overhead cam, the sky cam, came right down onto Jay, and he, all you hear is uh, Cutler yell out. Tell Mike I said, fuck him. <laughs> and Jay, Jay ran a, throw, a pass play instead of a run play. <laughs> so, but did it yeah. work? It did. He, oh, man. The tight end caught the ball. I, t- I tell you what, unless uh, – the, I agree that it's a lot more entertaining to have a hot mic, but I think this could lead to some serious problems for these – like, look, one of the things that I've said, you know, over, over the years we've heard, you know, different, you know, high-profile people, whether it be – basketball team owners or celebrities have private conversations recorded mm. and and look if yep. you know gene simmons from kiss of all people came out and gene's a crazy dude but pretty straightforward he said as soon as we start making everybody's private conversations public everybody's gonna go down you know because mm. if you think of look you think about even just a couple of guys sitting around having some beers and how you might joke about a woman you're interested in and things you might say or you know when you get angry with some friends at something going on and in the things you might say you know sometimes we all we all say crazy stuff you know yeah. and i think you yeah. have to be real careful with that whole situation if if i know i'm mic'd up and somebody comes yeah. up hey man you got a mic on for this game it's yeah. being broadcast you need to watch it Look, if, if, if around me, look, you need to tell everybody, hey, you guys yeah, are mic'd up. Me. And then you're not getting the real thing if you're mic'd up. But, you know, even even like in football, look, some of these professional football players, and it's not quite, you know, the movie, the program. But look, some of these guys get up and talk some trash and use some, some pretty explicitives that wouldn't be okay for TV and would look real bad for their careers, their sponsorship, and everything. So I think you either have where you tell people, hey, you're going to be mic'd up, you know, have some fun, take it easy, and you're not getting it real, or you just mic them up, and then the first time that people realize they're mic'd up after that, you lose it all because people are like, I mean, because right now, these guys in the dugout, if they know, hey, we accidentally, you know, and that's the other thing, it wasn't an accident or whatever, now these other guys moving forward with the baseball season are going to be like, hey, you know, just... Be careful what you say in the dugout. Your mic's you know what? You that's know? what I was but, just reading because uh, he he said like yeah you could hear every word coming from the dugout whereas before with the fans and everything you couldn't hear anything so like hear he heard it. he heard something so they're yeah. like what's yeah, that? Yeah, but what's I'm that? sure that I'm sure that the fans could hear what's being said if they're sitting by the dugout. Yes, you oh, know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, and, and, and let's be honest, you know with today's technology 
they have a delay on those mics if they want to use. Of course, them. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I mean. When Rogers, I think it was his second or third year, started for a preseason game. Like I think Al Harris came up to him, was going to start talking to him, and Rogers is going like, <laughs> telling him he's mic. He's telling him he's mic. He's, he's like, up. he's like, what? What's going on? What's going on? And then well, he like called over. Walk and, up and call him. You pussy you yeah. know i mean just, just yeah. even just shit you would say to your buddies like there's yeah. shit I, I would walk up to my buddies hey you fucking douchebag like you, oh, yeah. Mike, Mike, you know yeah, like, mike he called over nick listening. barnett and he's like what does this mean what does this mean yeah, mike I, mike oh i think he's mic'd up yeah. i, think I do want to say i for baseball purposes baseball is a little dry so i do feel like <laughs> just you know, baseball should little. probably be hot mic but yeah. football i agree i do think football because that is a big time sport especially with the way this cancer culture is one person says something that someone doesn't like it's going to take like off like a fire on twitter uh, and yeah. and that's the thing everyone's waiting for somebody to say something inappropriate nowadays yep yeah, yeah. i mean I, what, what do you think our... what do you think was said between miles garrett in that uh in, in that quarterback mason rudolph, mason mason rudolph. <laughs> for the record mason rudolph and i went all i had a good rant about mason rudolph yes, you did. being the whiny little bitch that starts bar fights and then recalls for the cops anytime somebody <laughs> comes after him i had some pretty strong feelings about mason rudolph i would have liked yeah. him seen get it with a couple of helmets but even <laughs> even something like that like that would have been real interesting and then i was like Ugh, man you, you start getting yeah. with you start getting into some pretty touchy t- touchy verbiage and like dave you said with with that sort of culture it's like uh it's only a matter of time before these networks are like yeah. and even well, if well because they're not going to sack them like reggie even white like when you he said there's, there's going to be a, there's going to be a delay right so we right. know there's going to be a delay yeah. but even like hey you mother beep you know it's like <laughs> oh hey coming in hot you yeah. know like yeah and i and i hope that you know the thing that i loved about it was it, this was something new they were just trying it was brand new and they had an effect they probably weren't expecting so that's kind of cool um let's just hope it doesn't get run into the ground as but if i mean it was, even telling the guys like hey look here's here's the thing no f-bombs you know no no calling each other this or this but have some fun or whatever i mean because you could you could realistically sit down with the teams before the game and say look we're gonna have hot mics let's make this interesting make some jokes have some fun we're trying to add a little something to the games and try to make it realistic where the fans aren't sitting down and saying like okay they you know they, uh, they, you know, they told them, you know, hey, we gotta, we gotta tone it down. You got rusty you know. fenders on your bike. You know what they should have done? <laughs> what they should have done was had the hot mics going on during spring training, but not broadcast them, so the players can get used to being careful of what they can and cannot say. Yeah. But to just bring that on them right now is dangerous, and I get that. Yep. But if that, if, I'm sure they had they had thought of this before. At least I would like to believe somebody would have thought of it and, and then just get used to it. But yeah. Yeah. obviously they didn't do that. We're going to stick with sports here. Uh, real interesting um, news coming out of the world of boxing last week mm-hmm. that 54-year-old Mike Tyson is going to be fighting 51-year-old Roy Jones Jr. in an eight-round quote-unquote exhibition match. Um, The rumors from Mike Tyson looking for a fight have been floating around for the better part of a month, maybe a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of talk was surrounding, you know, there being some sort of novelty factor, you know, the Mayweather-McGregor novelty factor. You know, you had a handful of people coming out, first Holyfield, and nobody wanted to see that. (laughs) You know, and then you had, hey, Tito Ortiz wanted to fight, in which, you know, Tito's a lot younger, but... 
for as skilled of a fighter as Tito's been over the years, I think it would have been a heavily mismatched, uh, you know, putting him against, you know, a, a boxer like Tyson. God, who else? Ken Shamrock. <laughs> Talk about a money grab. Ken, yeah, yeah I'll fight I'll do him. it. <laughs> and they settled with Roy Jones Jr. Um, Roy, we know in the past, you know, he fought as a heavyweight, but a pretty undersized heavyweight. And I got to imagine right now Tyson's outweighing him by a significant amount. Um, but I think people's excitement for the potential for Tyson getting back into the ring, I actually think the announcement of this fight just really kind of let some of the air out of the Tyson hype that's been floating around and wanted to get your take on that. I think it's amazing. I mean, if somebody would have told me back in 1994 that convicted rapist Mike Tyson would be headlining a pay-per-view <laughs> and everybody would be loving it, <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? This is yeah. it's amazing, you know? And you know what? Hey, I mean, everyone, it's America. You get two or three or 17 chances, I guess. It depends. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to see that fight because it's not going to be good. I mean, it's going to be entertaining, but it's not going to be good. It'll probably be like 50 or 60 or 70 bucks to watch it. Oh, and at least. Like, yeah. I think the undercard has a former NBA player up against Fighting some YouTube a YouTube guy. star, Jake Paul. Yeah, yeah, which is a whole nother yeah. like, okay, what are you, are you guys looking for a legitimate sporting event or are you just looking for a show? I, I got to tell you, man, I, the, the, the feedback that I've read, you know, and there's one um, website where they went down the line with boxing analysts and every single one of them was like, I hope this doesn't happen. Because, one, you know, we've seen the, the highlights of Tyson fighting. Or, or training, and they look pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's still nasty, but of course, as everybody has also pointed out, it's a whole lot easier to look good hitting a bag and, and focus mitts than it is fighting somebody who's going to hit back. Um, I don't know when the last time Roy Jones Jr. fought. Uh, um, February of 18. Yeah, so it's been a few years, and Tyson I know his, uh, his matches. Tyson was five. Yeah, uh, Jones Jr.'s matches weren't real spectacular <laughs> the last few times he fought, from what I understand. But and this it, fight's going to be fixed. There's no way Tyson's going to lose. Well, Roy Jones Tyson, Jr. is there. To, you know, I just can't. Like I just can't understand. You know, they're talking about it being an exhibition. You know, Dave had said earlier. Tyson made a comment like, "I only have one speed." You know, they were talking. You know, you know, limiting headshots and stuff like that. And it's like, well, Tyson has done some really nasty damage with his body shots and stuff like that too. And if you're the fact that they called it an exhibition, I get because it's not. You know, nobody's Whatever, nobody's yeah. trying to get have their next fight be lined up for a belt. So I get you call it an expedition or an exhibition for whatever, but nobody wants to see Mike Tyson do anything but go out and be Mike Tyson. And even if he's fifty four years old, we expect him to go out and try to take Roy Jones Jr.'s head off. And I just you know the the, the boxing analysts are all like, look, somebody's going to end up getting hurt, probably Jones Jr. <laughs> Um, you know, what if, what if, like you said, you have to imagine it's, it's gotta be fixed at, at, at some level because what if, you know, what if Tyson's a lot slower than it looks and, you know, Roy Jones Jr. just comes out and jabs and moves and stuff like that. And just, you know, we just see eight rounds of, of, blah. you know, of, yeah, of blah. I just think, I just think, you know, videos of Mike Tyson training, you know, Hey, he's in great shape again. Look how ripped he is. Good for you. You made a transformation from, you know, being pretty heavy and when the hangover came out 10 years ago (laughs) back into fighting shape you know just post some videos of you fighting and showing younger fighters how to you know do what you did and 
and leave it at that. And, and I think the over- Tyson has everything to lose by losing this fight. He yeah. has everything, everything to lose. To lose. But, yeah. but like you said, everybody, it's going to be 60 or 70 bucks, maybe more. They might hit you for 80 or 90. Everybody's going to get it because it's like one of those things that you don't not want to watch. You know, it's like, well, yeah, I have to watch it, but I'm not even remotely excited for it. I'm, it's, it's almost like, you know, it would be like watching your, you know, your two old neighbors fight. Like, eh, you know, uh, you know, Jerry, you know, is, you know, his dog's been pooping on, you know, Harold's lawn, you know, and they're going to throw down at noon yeah. on Sunday. It's like Taker versus Sting. I yeah. 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 Yes. Exactly. Let's just sit back and watch and see what happens. I'm not going to not watch, but at the same time, my expectations are low. Yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about it. But like I said, I was excited about, you know, some sort of novelty fight. And now that they actually put it out there that it's happening, I'm just like, Ugh, why? Yeah. You know? Well, with and you. by calling it an and by calling it an exhibition, that tells you everything you need to know. Right? It's not real. It's yeah. exhibition. Hey, come on, Apollo Creed died in an exhibition. <laughs> it's an exhibition. Exactly. Exactly. And sure. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure being, being being called an exhibition, they don't have to have certain judges, or they don't have to have certain medical personnel, or I'm sure there's a lot of things now they don't have to do. Drug testing could be another one. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We've all seen Tyson on Joe Rogan. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't pass one of those. <laughs> yeah. They were talking. Yeah. They were talking about using uh, heavier gloves too, mm. just to try to have slow think more <laughs> slow them down a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more padding. But uh, you know, you wonder what the the athletic commission. Maybe the exhibition has something to do with the athletic commission and licensing for the fights and yeah. liabilities and stuff yeah, like I that. Yeah, just gives them free reign to pretty much do what they need to do to make some I, money. I think that if, if you're having a competitive fight that's not exhibition, you have to get drug tested. Yeah, that makes so sense. So you know, Tyson has to be on on at least two or three different types of gas. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you don't, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, you know, you could have somebody his age who, you know, stayed with it for a long time and was working out. Likely he's, he's on, he's on something, but you know, even if he's it's on, he's on, he's on growth or test at 54, you don't look like that. Probably especially where he started likely, a year ago. Likely, yeah. likely both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, cause I think when he was on Rogan, he was like, Joe was asking him like, Hey, have you been, you know, you trained you, what are you doing for workout? And Tyson's like, I don't do anything. I don't work out. I don't train anymore. I mean, flat out stopped nothing, you know? So yeah. it's I'm kind of on the same track with hero. I don't know. I don't think it'll be a good fight, but I would be hoping for at least an entertaining fight. Yeah, but what if Tyson comes out and throws one of those nasty right hooks and just lays him out and pops Roy Jones Jr. laying there like twitching in the ring like Creed. You're going to be like, Jesus you know Christ. People like, would love that. Yeah, yeah but we're, everybody's going to be like, ah, he's 51. Yeah. You, you knew this shit was going to happen. You knew Tyson was going to murder him. You know, like yeah. that dude's well, dead or something. Like, think about it, that's the fuck? culture that we live in today. If they underperform, well, geez, we knew that was coming. Yeah. Or if that happens, we'd be like, we told you not to throw I fight. would rather yeah. watch McGregor fight Mayweather again <laughs> yeah. oh, no. than, than Tyson fight. Ass. Fight well. That that's supposedly from some people who know some people. That's in the works. Uh, second oh, one because it's because they're each going to make another hundred million off it. But apparently the rumors are, and these are you know through the, the fitness industry in some roundabout ways. You know some people who know some people. Apparently the rumors are as if there is a second fight. Mayweather doesn't intend to let it draw out the way the last one is. Hmm. It's going to be a huge money grab, but apparently Mayweather's goal is to go and beat the shit out of Conor McGregor. Get in, get it it done. Which is not Mayweather's style. It never has been. So 
that would be interesting. But yeah, yeah I just, man, I just can't. I'm going to watch it. There's a 100% chance <laughs> I'm going to be with my buddies watching it. I don't drink very often. I have a margarita on the podcast. That's about the extent. But casual I have a fe- drinker. I have, I'm a casual drinker. <laughs> I have a feeling I'm just going to get hammered for this fight. <laughs> to try to make it interesting. A lot of people throwing down bets. But, um, again, in, in the world of boxing, it's been not well received at all. Um, and, and, and the fact that they went and thank you for pointing that out, Dave, the fact that they went and threw just a complete joke of a fight on the undercard doesn't do anything for the legitimacy of the, the Tyson Jones. It's um, an, it's an MTV fight is what it is. Yeah. That's that's what they're going to have next is they're going to throw a celebrity death match. You know, they're going to have like Tara Reid fighting Alicia Silverstone or something. (laughs) Well, hey, Fox had celebrity boxing on for that longest time because didn't Manute Bull take on like freaking like Butterbean or something. something. My boy Screech. Yeah. him. He'll get Dustin Powers in there. Dustin. Dustin Diamond. Dustin Diamond. Yeah. It was Samuel Powers, Dustin Sam- Samuel Diamond. Samuel Screech. A little crossover there. Yeah. You know, um, a story about Screech is you guys may or may not know. I was the guy that originally foreclosed on him when he bought oh. that house in Port Washington. We <laughs> sold it to him on a land contract. No way. You son uh, of a bitch. Yeah. How could exactly. you? Was yeah. he as, was he yeah. as creepy to, to work with as he as you would think he was? You know what? He's exactly <laughs> who he is. He's exactly who he is on TV. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what I'm going to say about him. Yeah. Because, I, know, but yeah, but yeah. I yeah. interviewed. We were the uh, robber barons that were trying to, you yeah. know, uh, kill the house back. I interviewed. <laughs> uh, I interviewed Mario Lopez last year at the Mr. Olympia. He was there for an energy drink Celsius, and I was doing work for Muscle and Fitness and Flex Magazine, and we lined that up with Mario Lopez, and. <clears throat> I had to do a, a, uh, a little meeting with his PR people first, which is, you know, in bodybuilding and fitness. Said, hey, can I do an interview? Yeah, cool. Like even I interviewed Goldberg last year as well. And I was like, hey, yeah, can I do an interview? You know, and he had, you know, somebody there was like, yeah, cool, whatever, do it. But I had to lay out all my questions for Mario Lopez and they wouldn't let me do any Save by the Bell questions. <laughs> Nothing. They're yeah. like, no, no yeah. Save by the Bell questions. Yeah. Then like a week later, they, you know, they released, yeah, we're trying to work on a reunion yeah, or whatever. Reunion. Yeah. They're like, yeah, he really doesn't like those questions. He's kind of past that point. He would like to focus, focus more on what he's doing now. And I'm like, you can't. You're really gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna ignore st- your past. Huh? Me like I had a great question. We were in Las Vegas, you know, and I was gonna make a joke about the Raiders going to Vegas because he gave up Raiders tickets to go to the ballet with Jesse, you know. <laughs> God, I'm a loser. Had a chance. I'm a loser. You gotta, you gotta through shoot through. your shot, man. You just gotta uh, shoot. I, your you shot. know what? I should have. And one of my buddies said that. He goes, "Well, you were on camera, right? You know. Yeah. Well." You should have just asked, and if he went with it, it's not like he's going to be at the Mr. Olympia every year, and if he is, it's not like you're going to interview him every year. Yeah. You could have asked. <laughs> if he said no, you cut it, and whatever, you walk away, you look like a dick, but I'm never going to see him again. Yeah. And if he answers it, then his PR people are pissed, but whatever, fuck yeah, it. That's yeah. done. I should have, should have taken my shot. You, <laughs> you, know, you know here, I'm popping for that elf in the background there. Yeah, you got a you nice like that? elf. Yeah. Yeah, that's Gordon Shumway. The alien life that's form. My- that's my Elf phone. You know, I mean, Bobby Heenan always had a phone at his desk on prime time, but I put Elf back there for right now. It's my, God, that is my tribute to Bobby the Brain. Oh, yeah. nice. Is that what that that's is? Is that's like an old school like phone? Yeah, look. An, 
It's an old school phone. Yeah, you can, you know, you, you push the buttons on the receiver. Holy yeah. shit. Now, what I want to know is, was that phone uh, reverse engineered from a crashed UFO that you might have found when you were out in Las Vegas? Or is that you off know the what? shelf? I mean, <laughs> I'm not privileged to talk about that at this time. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely. I'm going to wait for the Pentagon to make that announcement. I tell yeah. you what. So big, big news. Big in the news right now. Thank you for that. Yeah. was a pretty good segue there, Quinn. Fantastic. Huge in the news well. right now. Now, you know, with everything going on, you feel like the government's like, okay, either they have one of two, one of two like point of views here. They're either like, why don't we distract them and we'll throw out the alien stuff and they'll forget about all the other stuff going on, you know, which isn't working. Or they'll be like, okay, everybody's really distracted. We got to release this information. Let's do it now. Nobody will care. So what, like a month ago, you had, you know, Navy fighter pilots be like, yeah, we saw UFOs and went this way and then that way at a billion miles an hour. Here's the footage. And now we hear that the Pentagon is expected to release officially information saying they found a crashed UFO. And the guy who did some, one of the guys who did investigating on the the UFO just says there are material. Here's what he said. There are materials that we cannot identify and it is not made of things from this earth is supposedly what he had said. So basically it's, it's, it's a straight they found up a UFO. Box. What's that? Yeah. They found a mother box. Yeah. You know, that's what they did. <laughs> and Quinn and I were talking pre-production, and, you know, they, they talked about this. And, and look, and, and long before um, uh, long before uh, Russell Case saved the world in July of 1996. <laughs> Never forget. Um, long before that, people had talked about reverse engineering and, you know, how our technology was like this until like the 50s and then skyrocketed, you know, and, and just continues at an exponential rate. So Quinn had brought up, you know, the the idea of reverse engineering. Um, yep. And, and uh, to be fair, I got it from the first Transformers movie, which I still think is the best. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you got it from the first? Dude, Independence Day came out long before the first Transformers well, movie. And yeah, they but Independence Day didn't have Megan Fox. So that, that's the difference. It's true. <laughs> right, but that had Vivica Fox. Yeah. She played a much smaller role. But, um, you know, so they, talked, had a they did talk yeah. about reverse engineering yeah. and Independence Day. But um, I, I tell you what, um, I, I would... F- be hard pressed to believe that uh, some sort of reverse engineering didn't happen. And for people who think that's a quacky concept, you take some of the best engineers and Quinn, we've even talked about this before. You take some of the best engineers that were working on cars in the early 1900s. These guys who designed the very first, you know, you know, the very first cars that came off, you know, the, the Ford motor line, you know, and you, you take an engine out of a car today and you, you give them the engine and say, here you go, guys. This is what they're working with, uh, you know, 115 yeah, years no. from now. You know, see what you can do with this. You know, I don't, I don't know. People aren't any smarter now than they were no, back then, the you know, as far as, you know, IQs and, and cognitive abilities. So you take some of the best minds of 1905, give them an engine out of a, a brand new, you know, Ford Raptor or Florian. something. Yeah. And I think they're going to be able to tear that thing down. And maybe if they can't remake it exactly, they're going to be able to obviously make some pretty significant advancements over what they had at the time. So some yep. people think the concept of reverse engineering from a UFO is like spacey shit. I think it's, um, you know, there's probably a lot of stuff 
that, you know, hey, look, we're still not, as far as we know, flying out into outer space. So you got to imagine there's a lot of stuff like, yeah, we don't know how the hell this works and we don't know what it's made of. And so we can't really do shit with it. But this particular part here, how this works. So I I don't think by by any stretch of the matter that it's that it's out in left field anymore to say that they did some reverse engineering off this thing. Yeah. Imagine the show we've been giving those aliens the last few months. Oh, you know what I mean? You love it. There's been some good memes about that. Like uh, the aliens drive by and lock their doors when they fly by (laughs) Earth. Like, uh, I thought uh, thought you said this was a good part of town. What's going on here? I like the meme. You know, but I I wouldn't be a bit surprised if 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 there was, you know, spaceships or UFOs. I mean, it wouldn't. The way this year's been going, nothing can surprise me anymore. No, Dave, do you firmly believe in aliens or UFOs or anything like that? I'll be honest. I, I don't ever think about it. I mean, but could it happen? You get way better Absolutely. sleep than me, man. <laughs> way better sleep. You get way better well, sleep than me. <laughs> what am I going to do if they show up on my doorstep? I have no clue. So I'm not going to worry about it until that happens. You know uh, what I mean? Hi. What's so, uh, going on? Let's uh, go. Uh, my, my belief has always been, and we've again, I, I keep saying we've talked about this, is that the notion that in the entire galaxy and God knows whatever is is far beyond us, that this is the only planet able to sustain intelligent life, I think is 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 narrow sighted. And I also think even without reverse engineering, if if you had a society that was only let's say five thousand years older than ours, which in the timeline of how long the Earth has been around is a relatively uh, short period of time, a drop in a bucket. Mm-hmm. If you take a civilization that had an extra five thousand, ten thousand years on us, if you look at where we've come in the last, you know, two hundred years, you yeah. know, in the early eighteen hundreds, well, you know, it, it was horses. You know, they yeah. didn't have, they didn't even have trains. It was, yeah. it was nothing. And so, you know, two hundred and twenty years ago. We had, you know, it was a little house on the prairie. And now, you know, I've got more electronics ability in my phone than they had on the first spaceships. And so you take where we're at right now and fast forward another 4,800 years, where are we going to be at? So for the technology that that some people will look at what we think aliens have and be like, oh, that's crazy. There's no way there's ever going to be that. Well, of course... 200 years ago when you talk about airplanes and all the things that we can do forget about 200 years ago i can talk about 20 years ago when i was a sophomore in college (laughs) and my goddamn geometry teacher was you need to learn this because it's not like you're going to be walking around with a calculator in your pocket pocket. i got a calculator right here in my pocket that i carry with me everywhere so you're (laughs) a calculator and a flashlight in your pocket and a flashlight <laughs> so everything uh, you need yeah. and more. So I like I'm not going to yeah. come out here and say oh you know that it's you know with a hundred percent. But I think uh, I think you have to be pretty narrow sighted to think that it couldn't exist, and to think you know if the civilization was even a little bit older than us, then they wouldn't have technology just far far beyond what what we can yeah, even I mean, comprehend. You just, you just look at where China is now to where they were in like the 1980s or even 90s, and it's a completely different country altogether with technology and people having cars and and everything else so yeah completely completely possible i had one question i wanted to ask uh dave here and it was it it was kind of a throwaway topic that we had last week but really got a lot of traction and i really appreciate your insight what's your thought on uh 
the stage shows of hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> I pissed some people off. I knew I would. You know, you have the hypnotist uh, come to the school. What do you think? Is is he working everybody? Is everybody playing along? What are your thoughts? Uh, you know what? I think they're working somebody. Yes. You know, I just, yes. I just, I just have a hard time. I can't concentrate that long to go into hypnosis. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just thinking maybe for some people, the Jedi mind tricks, all that kind of stuff might work, but you know, I'm, I'm just not going to buy it. Dave, I have yet to meet someone that, that does that professionally. Yeah. Dave, my opinion of that was that in a clinical setting um, where it's one-on-one quiet, whatever, maybe with somebody who's, you know, a, pr- a professional that maybe hypnosis was legitimate for whatever, you know, trying to dig up, you know, uh, you know, repressed memories or things like that. But my opinion was in comedy shows, you know, shows at theaters and stuff like that, where they randomly pick people out of the crowd, <laughs> they go up, they magically hypnotize Random. them in 30 seconds and, you know, get them to do crazy stuff. So the crowd laughs. I said that it was a hundred percent bullshit and a hundred percent work. The people who volunteer to go up on stage are the same type of people who want to be up there to have fun. They want to entertain their friends or family that they're there with. And I said a hundred percent of the people that go up there, uh, it's they're just they're playing oh, along with yeah. it. Like a hundred percent of work. Yeah, look what my thing on that. My my thing on that is if you look at some of the horrendous crimes some people have done. If 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 hypnosis truly works, that right there is your lie detector. Yeah. <laughs> so why haven't they brought that into the courtroom and and do the the hypnosis to find out That's what's really point. going on? Well, yeah. they say they say, well, this is, you, you got you got to be willing. Yeah, you got to be willing to he's relax. Under you know, yeah. <laughs> like if they're telling you they're gonna you know be hypnotized, but the whole time they're trying to hypnotize you, you're trying to figure out whether the aliens right. could reverse engineer but, a cell phone. But to be fair, <laughs> if I'm innocent, by all means, hypnotize me, so you know I'm innocent. Oh yeah, man. yeah, yeah. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I uh, see. I see your angle there. Yeah. It's just such a shame that wrestling makes us so jaded. We don't believe anything anymore. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything is a word. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dave, well, I want to take the last couple of minutes here to talk about your show, the Pro Wrestling Report. And mm-hmm. if yes. you, you know, most people that are watching this already know you, but just in case, if there's a few that don't know you, you t- tell us a little bit about your show and your new, uh, I guess, host that's with you guys. Yeah, so the Pro Wrestling Report is back. We took a couple years hiatus when my TV partner, Damian Nelson, moved to China to work with the Six Flags theme park. And, of course, he comes back in January. Look what happens. So I kind of blame him for all of this. Was he down at Great Um, America taking pictures before he left? Yeah, exactly. But now he's running. now. So he came back. He's like, hey, let's bring the show back. I'm like, okay, because he thought for sure he was done with Six Flags and whatever else. He's now the director of the Six Flags Park in New Jersey. So he's out there. So we, we start doing the show, and um, you know it's not a dirt sheet show. We don't talk about who's going to show up on Raw or AEW. We don't tell you who's going to win matches or whatnot. It's just discussion and opinion, because yeah. I have a doctorate in opinionology when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> um, Fan's opinion. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm doing the show, and all of a sudden I get a text from Shane Helms, He's like, hey, man, he goes, how come you're the only person I recognize on the show? Because we have a panel of other people that do what we do. And he's like, you know, he goes, I'm not doing nothing. I'm at home. If you want me to come on, let me know. I'm like, oh, sweet. So I call up Shane and we're talking. 
And uh, Shane Helms, the Hurricane Shane Helms, now does the Thursday night show with Damian Nelson and myself. And then we do another show on Saturdays where it, it's our panel of other wrestling experts. And uh, it's been great. It's been fun having Shane because him and I have the same demented, twisted sense of humor. <laughs> um, it's it's it, it's it, he's so because we we think alike. Sometimes we have the same opinion and thought process. And Damien, then we like gang up on Damien because he doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> half the time. So it's just been it, it's just been a lot of fun. And for me, it's cool to do a show with a guy that has made a living in the professional wrestling business. And when I say a living, well into six figures a year. Mm-hmm. A guy that sold a ton of merchandise, he beat The Rock on television, he, he, he's worked at every wrestling promotion. He's been in Impact, Ring of Honor, WWE, WCW, Sugar uh, AEW. Three count. He's been everywhere. He's been everywhere. And yep. he's got a great mind. He's a lot of fun. Uh, him and I do a Be the Booker episode hmm. before every pay-per-view now where we both you know talk who's going to win how they're going to win and how they go forward so he takes the talent's point of view i take the promoter's point, uh, point of view and it's just been fun and uh you know it's crazy because when we started we figured out we'll go like 30 minutes maybe 45 minutes the last four weeks him and i 90 minutes at least <laughs> yikes talking yeah. about wrestling yeah it'll get away from uh, you real fast you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can go to uh, pwr360.com or on Twitter at pwr360, and uh, you know you, you can follow us on there and, and, and get our, all of our new episodes and all the nonsense and shenanigans that come along with it. Nice. See, see, the great thing I like about shows like yours and like ours is that there's no point in trying to play like Mr. Insider because like that's already being done. So I want to present it from a fan's point of view. Don't come at me with all this insider, you know, knowledge and things like that. Let's, let's look at it for what we're being presented with, you know, and that's where I like yeah, you know, and, the way you guys do it and us as well. Yep. And the other thing is if you're going to bitch about something, explain why. Or have a solution for it. Just don't say, oh, this sucks. Okay, tell me why it sucks. Like, I get a kick out of people on Twitter that will say, oh, that was lazy booking. I would have done that. So I'll reply back, okay, how would you have done it? And, of course, they don't know what to say then. Yeah. Well, it was lazy. <laughs> okay, but what would you have done differently? Tell me what you would do differently. And then people don't. Yeah. It's easier to complain and bitch than actually come up with a solution. And that's what Shane and I do. We will disagree with something. And for us, it's... For me, it's weird because I have friends in, in all the companies and I have some friends that are on creative and whatnot, so I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But I'm just it's I'm just being honest. And I'm like, well, I disagree with this and here's what I would do differently. And you know, it's it just it's just better conversation than just saying this sucks. Yeah. They shouldn't have done that. Tell us why. Right. Absolutely. And then uh, we talked a little bit before we started the show about the uh, the show you ran in Ashapin. Do you have any more uh, coming up? Uh, for the future here. Well, you know, so when the whole COVID-19 quarantine thing hit, all of my shows, except for the Ashapin show in Ashapin, Wisconsin, the fireman's picnic show, which was all first responders, was the only show (laughs) that was the only show that wasn't canceled or rescheduled. So it was interesting. So, you know, I was, you know, I was nervous simply because I know how I, how I operate but I don't know how 3,000 people are going to operate. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we made sure that our front row was, I think it was 12 to 15 feet from uh, the ring. We had our walkway was uh, 10 feet apart. We did as much as we could to be respectful of everyone's space 
in social distancing. The people there didn't, though. I mean, they did whatever they wanted to do. <laughs> well, uh, they're all first uh, responders, me, you know? They'll yeah, be fine. exactly. What, what could go wrong, right? Yeah. So um, for me, my, I don't have a show scheduled now until the end of September. All right. And I don't even know if that's going to happen because from what I've been hearing, um, there's going to be a second shutdown again. And if that's the case, you know, it's, it's going to be a nightmare for me. I already spoke to the people that have that run the Waukesha County Expo, which is the home of Blizzard Brawl. Yep. Where I normally get between 1,800 to 2,000 people every year for Blizzard Brawl. They told me as of Wednesday, the most I can get in there is 100 people. So, you better off so running a, a lemonade good, stand. Exactly. So they're hoping that things loosen up before then. But I mean, right now, I mean, it's a coin flip, you know. Is, as far as wrestling shows, uh, Cal wrestled up in Green Bay two weekends ago for WPW, and they did a decent job of social distancing. You know, um, people were wearing masks, and they had the hand sanitizer, and the chairs were separated. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah. Again, we, we have no one truly knows what's going on with this whole thing. I mean, we have experts arguing with other experts as to what it really is. No one is sitting down to try to truly figure it out. They're just trying to say who's right and who's wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. hundred percent on that. Well, I think uh, I first off want to say, you know, thanks for everything you've done, not only for uh, wrestling in the Midwest, but for myself personally, you've been given a ton of opportunities by you. So I always love seeing you and, you know, big appreciation for coming on the show. And uh, oh, I love you guys. Yeah. This show for me is so much fun. It's so easy. And it's just not wrestle speak, which is awesome. No. <laughs> hey, Dave, I got to piggyback off uh, Mason Quinn there because it was my fifth match, and you gave me an opportunity to go out there with Justin Dredd. And if it wasn't for Dredd, I don't know what kind of confidence I would have been given because that that night you had I think twelve hundred people in the house, and it was my fifth match. And I was Quinn. I was a total green green kid. You you gave me an opportunity. Justin Dredd and I went out there. Dredd led me all the way. So kudos to you, Terry. And uh, if it wasn't for that match, I don't know what kind of confidence I would have had after that because, you know, as a green kid, everything's coming at you at 100 miles yeah. an hour. So yeah. for me, that was kind of a big deal breaker because I got an opportunity by Dave Hero in front of a massive audience, and Quinn stuck his neck out for me, and boom, and Terry led the way. So, Dave, thank you for everything you've done for me too, man, oh, and thank you for the time you know tonight. What? Yeah. I love those stories because for me, I'm so busy doing my own stuff at those shows. I never realize that those kind of things, mm. you know, and it's, it, 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 it's, it's times like, like right now when you tell me that it gave me goosebumps. I'm like, that was your fifth match. I put you in that spot. You know? <laughs> hey, you pulled it off. That's fantastic. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> what? No, no, no. I, no I, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, I mean, it's just cool because like at the last show, um, the last Blizzard Brawl, Backwards Brown, he came up to me and he's like, it's always been a dream of mine to be on Blizzard Brawl. And I'm thinking, really? Of all the other shows you could do? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, that was always one for him. So for me, that means a lot to me that um, the local guys appreciated it and enjoyed it and it meant something to them because then it just makes it that much more special for me to keep going forward and doing those kind of shows. Nice. Absolutely, yeah. I'll, uh, I remember me and Dysfunction were, were thinking about uh, – uh, you had uh, Joey Mercury on a show, and uh, we were going to try to get a picture wearing his coat, but it didn't really work out. He, he kept coming back, and we couldn't sneak it on in time. So uh, another day. All, all you ha- all you had to do was ask him. Ah, say, hey, Joey. Yeah, but you know? where's the fun in that? Yeah, where's the fun? Hey, <laughs> so. I will say this, though. 
you working with King Kong Bundy, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite memories. And I, again, I can't thank you enough for that. I mean, that's, I tell the guys all the time. It was like, you know, seeing my childhood, I was terrified of the guy when I was a kid. And then, you know, here I got to wrestle him. And so that's, that was fantastic. Uh, you never told me you, you got to wrestle the guy yeah. that. You Never. wrestled the guy that headlined WrestleMania two with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah, that was Don't forget that was incredible. Demolition. You got to wrestle uh, Demolition too. Yeah, we got to work with with those guys as well. I, again, the opportunities that uh, that Blizzard Brawl has given myself mm. and all of us, and and what you've done personally, I can't put it over enough. And it, any guy who's come out of the Midwest will say the exact same thing. I don't care who it is. So, again, big thanks to you, Dave, and keep doing what you're doing. Keep running that. the shows, man. We love them. Yes. I, I, ha- I have to because Cal's wrestling now. I want to make yep. sure he's on some good shows. <laughs> you know, now, he, of course. Now, is he taking my advice? Because I know we, you and I were at the show in Green Bay, and I, I forget who it was. I forget who was wrestling, but somebody did something a little flashy, and you looked over to Cal and you said, hey, can you do that? And I said, Cal, you don't need to do that. You just need to wrestle like Randy Orton, and you'll have a career for you know, 30 years and, and, and that's it he doesn't do anything flashy he is that kurt henning randy orton style yeah he doesn't want to do any dives and flips and that kind of stuff good that's, that's awesome that's, that's smart yeah, yeah he's one of so like this entire quarantine this whole covid i said hey if we're going to be stuck at home you need to eat right and train and uh he lost a bunch of his baby fat he put like seven eight pounds of muscle on he looks great i'm, I'm super proud of him and uh, you know he had his first match in God four or five months a couple of weeks ago, and he's he's he can't wait to get going back again. Nice, so that's it's, awesome. It's been a lot of fun watching him become himself in the business that I never thought he'd want to be involved in. Nice. <laughs> hey Dave, if it's cool with you, next time, uh, well, hopefully there's a next time that you want to come back on. Uh, we should bring Cal on yeah. too. Yeah. A- absolutely. He needs. He needs the. He needs the. That uh, promo and TV work. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all do. They all do. Yes. Well, there yes. you have it, folks. We had lovable Dave Hero on. So for Diamond Dave Damone at the Appleton Oak, Mason Quinn, the answer, you will get one of these sent to you real quick. Oh, wow. I'll be sure to personally sign it. <laughs> that is fantastic. I love that. So it'll be signed, sealed, and delivered. Thanks again for Beautiful. coming on the show. Thank Thanks you. for watching, Thanks, and good night now.